sugar baby. Welcome back to the DIY Sugar Baby podcast with yours truly, Rosie Quartz. This is a podcast where we talk about things like religious trauma, we talk about deconstruction of Christianity, a little bit on purity culture, of course, and sex worker things. I myself am a spicy content creator. I make NSFW explicit content, among a wild variety of other things that include Twitch streaming and cosplay, running a full Discord community, kind of devoted to my fellow witchy, pagan, D&D enthusiasts, a lot of people who have also been in the process of deconstruction and are looking for community. We're all about uplifting the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, very specifically, yes, we are very much pro-transgender rights, <laughs> hashtag protect trans kids. Definitely going hard for that community right now as we're seeing a huge influx of anti-LGBTQ plus legislation coming through 2022. And as this platform is all about respect for your right to consent and autonomy, that is something we're trying to be very visible about and making sure that if you are in one of those communities that you are the expert in your life and your experience and you should be able to live your life with that respected and you should be able to feel safe in your identity. Today's episode is titled fatherless behavior and we're going to be talking very directly about trauma and sex work. Uh, we're not going to be going into details about trauma. It's not going to be a trauma dumping session or sharing personal details about trauma. Simply, we'll be talking about the concept of trauma itself or understanding of trauma and how it relates to biases against sex workers. As always, disclaimer, I am not your doctor or your therapist, nor will I ever insert myself into your life as such. I am a content creator with a post-secondary background in psychology and counseling, but that does not qualify me to tell you about your own mental health, about your own well-being. And at the end of the day, I will always refer you back to licensed and registered medical professionals, mental health professionals. Keeping in mind, I do know that it is not always accessible for everyone to get certain types of intervention or support. However, the goal of the resources that I provide in spaces like this podcast, those are intended for you to be able to take and use because you are the expert in your life and your experience. You're not going to get any weird shit from me about, oh, here is like a 10-step program for you to elevate your consciousness and connect to the universe or weird, yucky prosperity gospel stuff about, um, oh, if you engage in this behavior, you connect with these spirits or whatever else it might be, you're not going to get weird shit like that from me. I am just some person online who is sharing my experience, my resources, my perspectives as tools for you to use as you see fit or completely drop. I will also preface this with while we will be tackling a very specific uh, stigma that is used to invalidate and infantilize women, sex workers are not just women, they're non-binary, they're men, they're LGBTQ+. Sex workers are everyone. If you are listening in on this and you are not a sex worker yourself, chances are you know one. 
And the concept of fatherless behavior, however, is very much one that women directly experience, although any sex worker could be just walloped upside the head with that particular bias. Because confirmation bias regarding parental attachments is often used to invalidate the conscious and informed life decisions we make for our own well-being. And once again, as always, sex trafficking and sex work are absolutely not the same thing. If you are conflating the two, then you are infantilizing sex workers and you are stripping us of our autonomy and our consent and our voice. And also keep in mind, sex work is not a universal experience. I, as a sex worker, cannot speak for other sex workers. But please keep in mind, all of us are adults. Children are not sex workers, just as children are not in the kink community. We all have voices, we all have a prefrontal cortex that is evaluating what is best for our well-being. We all have a prefrontal cortex that is evaluating what we each individually need to do for our own well-being. And we can speak for ourselves. This means when it comes to critiquing the porn industry and critiquing sex work, we are the experts on it. We are already well aware of the dangers of the industry, of the pitfalls. Uh, we are already well aware of it. And because we have our own voices, we have been saying already for years that we need rights, not rescue, and we need decriminalization, not legalization. But that whole take on legalization and the Nordic model, that is probably another episode for another time. Because today's focus is daddy issues. And the concept of daddy issues related to choosing sex work is kind of related to a bias that sex work in and of itself is a form of self-harm. That if you do, in fact, choose sex work for yourself, that you are doing it out of a sense of self-harm. And this is still a bias that we see within the therapy community. It is very hard as a sex worker to find a therapist that is going to catch that bias within themselves. Because sex work cannot be defined completely as a form of self-harm. If you are going to view sex work only through the lens of the parts of it that are harmful, then you're not going to have a very good picture of it at all. You're going to be looking at it through a lens of confirmation bias and not taking in where there are positive sides to that as well. If we contrast sex work with like, let's say, being a construction worker, I could choose to view a construction worker's career completely through the lens only of the negatives. I could basically tell you that your choice to become a construction worker stems from uh, attachment issues because you are putting your body at risk of potentially being crushed by equipment, possibly like stapling your hand with something. There's the long-term impacts on your body. I could tell you all about like potential long-term joint pain. Uh, inflammation. We can also talk about exposing yourself to a career of potential instability. What if you hit an economic downturn and now you can't make money with your skill sets because there's no demand for it? But that would be me completely negating any of the other positives about it. It could be the thing that somebody really enjoys doing. It provides them fulfillment. It helps them build skill sets, help them feel confident. 
It helps them feel like a competent adult to see themselves creating something, like a home for someone else. Every single fucking career has the positives and the negatives. You cannot define work as being a trauma response or a form of self-harm. That is such bad faith. So when we talk about sex work being a trauma response or essentially attachment, and it usually is never from a place of like, oh, you have mommy issues, it's also you have daddy issues. And that directly stems from the misogyny, yeah, we're gonna go there. The misogyny that a parent can train a child to be a certain way. And essentially, if you as a woman are a sex worker, or seen as promiscuous, a slut, a whore, that your father didn't train you right, and as such, you have been failed, and now you're engaging in a form of self-harm. And that is incredibly inappropriate and harmful. We cannot define women according to how well their father trained them, because that's not how brains work. The idea that uh, good behavior as a woman, good, stable, healthy behavior is not engaging in certain types of sexual behavior, that is behavior modification bullshit. And it's also a form of bias because there are many sex workers who do still have a connection with their parents, they have a supportive, loving relationship with the parent who knows what they do, they provide a safe space for their kid. Same as sex workers are not all women, <laughs> not all sex workers have uh, insecure attachments with a parental unit. Another bias that we'll often come across is that of pity where people will look at a sex worker and go, well, she never actually dreamed of being that when she was a little girl. I fucking did. Oh my gosh, when I was a little girl and I would see like bits and pieces of sex workers' lives, uh, burlesque or uh, strippers, things like that, I thought they were gorgeous. I saw those women and it just lit something up inside my brain. If you've seen uh, the show Firefly, you know that there is a kind of like concubine-esque character in there. And while many people talk about the issues with Joss Whedon's work there, I've also noticed that when they talk about the character of Inara, Inora, I don't quite remember, it's been a while since I've seen the show, but they'll often use her as a way of confirming um, issues, problematic issues with Joss Whedon's work, which yes, there are some, but they also have not caught their own biases in regards to sex work. Because my own take as a sex worker on that character is that she has full control over her autonomy. While there are legalization aspects to what she does, which you actually see in the show in regards to um, being part of kind of like a sex worker's guild, she chooses her clients and does not choose to give it up for a relationship with the uh, protagonist of the show. I thought she was so badass, and when I first saw her on screen as a teen, it wasn't the mechanic that I wanted to be in that show. It was not the badass warrior Zoe that I wanted to be. I wanted to be the sex worker. I loved the space that she created for herself in that show. And I remember sitting down with that, with that idea, realizing that I had the desire Desire to be like her and grappling with the idea of well actually no she's supposed to be everything you're not you're not supposed to be her you are supposed to provide quiet service to others 
in Christ's name as a woman. That's who you're supposed to be. And based on that, I decided to move towards like more of a career in counseling. If you grew up Seventh-day Adventist, there's a huge push for you either to become a mother, a teacher, or a nurse. As much as I love kids, pregnancy scares the ever-living daylights out of me, and I can't even have kids. I have sensory overload issues, so being a teacher was completely out of the question. And as for being a nurse, skin exists for a reason, I don't want to see what's under it. Working towards being a counselor was kind of my compromise with the idea that my identity as a woman in Christ was supposed to be one of quiet service. Well, I was like, well, what's more quiet service like than being a counselor, right? And the contrast of basically doing all the right things versus my health and my well-being where it is today once I've actually pursued something that I did genuinely want for myself because I did genuinely want to be a sex worker is that I am now the healthiest and happiest I've ever been. And that is because as an adult, I made the informed, conscious decision to take on sex work. And just as you won't see me promoting like weird witchy shit, because that is also something that I do is that I practice more of an alternative spirituality, while you won't hear me talk about how you need to like raise your universal vibrations or things like that, I won't promote weird shit like that, I also will not promote to you that you should take up sex work for yourself and that you're gonna make lots of money, blah blah blah, because there is no way to guarantee that. And I'll have people show up in my DMs asking about sex work, asking how to get started and all of that stuff, and a few people saying like, yeah, I just need to make quick money, and my answer is that as with everything on my platform, I believe in informed consent. Which means that you need to know that sex work is work. And because it's work, it's not a quick get-rich-money grab. It involves networking, it involves putting yourself out there. In my case, it involves hours of makeup prep and picking out lingerie outfits, filming the content, editing the content, uploading the content, storing the content, messaging people back. It means uh, sometimes long distance play where I am often in the Dom role and I need to be very fixed on that person. It is a lot of cognitive energy. If you're doing long distance play sessions, you are engaging in a form of providing entertainment. And let me tell you, as a content creator, providing entertainment means that you are highly engaged throughout the whole process if you want to keep someone's attention. And yes, I absolutely freaking love it. I'm doing it because I love it, but it is work. It is tiring, it is exhausting at times, and there is no guarantee of a specific amount of income. So you also need to be aware that when you go searching up things like, oh, how to make money on OnlyFans, please keep in mind that a lot of the creators who are putting out that content of, oh, I've made so much money on OnlyFans, are also making money as a YouTube creator. And one of the ways that you really drive engagement is to exaggerate is to put a lot of like emphasis and energy behind it but it may not necessarily be true i myself if i wanted to could just pop into like canva's editor uh, make a youtube cover that states how i made a hundred thousand dollars on OnlyFans last year just film up a video if i wanted to i could even create like a fake google document showing like quote unquote my income, put a lot of poppy colors around it, upload it, and no one would know the difference. The truth of it could be I only had like maybe 25 subscribers and made like 300 bucks and actually made more on a YouTube video 
being a little disingenuous about it. Being a sex worker, the reality of it is that you are uh, ironically, yes, literally your own accountant. So you have to keep track of the, the toys you use, the uh, lingerie you buy. You are kind of like your own social media manager because you have to make content advertising yourself, but advertising yourself in a way that won't get you banned on uh, TikTok, Reddit, Instagram, wherever else. There are a million and one different components to doing this type of work. And if you want to talk about the exploitation, the inherent exploitation of sex work, you're also going to need to look at your own job. It is incredibly hypocritical to look at sex work and the porn industry and say that it is exploiting sex workers without also maybe critically examining the way your own employer treats you. Because that bias leads us right back to the former bias of sex work being a form of self-harm which is essentially, if you choose sex work, you are exposing yourself to the harm of exploitation and therefore sex work is a form of self-harm, and that is the bias. Sex work is not self-harm. Sex work is work. And if you're going to call sex work inherently exploitative, if you're going to call the porn industry exploitative without also acknowledging that your own work exploits you, and that capitalism exploits you, that is incredibly disingenuous and harmful to sex workers. Has the sex work industry been exploitative? Absolutely. And based on those critiques, sex workers themselves have been pushing towards an industry where we have the autonomy, where our consent is respected, and we are protected from that exploitation. However, thanks to legislation like SESTA-FOSTA, all of that hard work we've put in towards working towards our own autonomy, towards rights not rescue, has actually been slowly stripped away from us and now we're moving backwards back to where it was before. And as we talk about fatherless behavior, because social media has made it so that us sex workers can be very visible. In fact, sex work has driven the internet. A lot of the things that civilians get to enjoy through social media is because sex workers pioneered it for their own visibility in order to survive. And now because we are so highly visible, we often get that stigma thrown directly at us in our comment sections and in our direct messages telling us that our behavior that they see is stemming from trauma while at the same time civilians will take sex worker aesthetic, sex worker music in their own content and emulate it. Because sex workers don't just do sex work, we're often drivers of culture. And a lot of our income actually goes and turns around to support um, other types of creators to buy their artwork to promote their music. Because a lot of the stuff on social media, if you're a content creator, your income comes from sponsorships. But if you're a sex worker, those sponsorships are often not offered to you because the company doesn't want to be associated with the stigma of your industry. And quite frankly, that bias is really costing uh, companies and businesses. Sometimes bias can keep you from seeing what is like very clearly in front of your face. We are so highly visible. You see us wearing different makeup products and skincare, uh, clothing, things like that. And we're constantly being asked, where did you get that? Where did you get that brand of makeup? Where did you get those like little cat ears that you're wearing on your Twitch stream? Who were you working with? 
There's so many companies who are missing out by not working with sex workers because our entire lives, a lot of what we do is just saturated in social media. We are constantly working with algorithms. We're just like, we're on X Games mode when it comes to networking and maintaining community when we're constantly getting booted off platforms. So if companies really actually wanted to like level themselves up, they would be investing in sex workers as the as their influencers. But as we talk about all these different types of social stigma that impact our daily lives as sex workers, when we look at the bias in regards to parental attachment and trauma, it's very hard to have direct and open conversation about that. Because absolutely, yes, a lot of us carry um, like emotional pain and distress as a result of parental attachment. However, it's hard to talk about that and have an honest conversation about it because of the bias that sex work is a form of self-harm stemming from that trauma. So if we talk about the, the issues with parents, if we talk about attachments and things like that, if we talk about um, if like if we ourselves do not have a relationship with our parents that gets used to infantilize us and invalidate us so we can actually just put ourselves at risk by talking about that fact if we ourselves do not have any kind of relationship with our primary caregivers from childhood it gets used against us to invalidate us. Because we are adults making informed, conscious adult decisions for our well-being, when we hit adulthood, we definitely also have to consider whether or not certain relationships are healthy or safe for us. So just as we may decide to take up sex work for our own well-being because that is what we want to do, because we find financial stability in it, whatever the case may be, if you have chosen sex work for yourself, that is valid. However, at the same time, we may also have to recognize that certain people in our life are not safe to be in contact with because of a wide variety of reasons. And maybe that that parental unit is indeed abusive. In my case, I had to sit down and critically evaluate whether or not my own family was safe to be in contact with, not just because I'm a sex worker, but also because I'm LGBTQ+. And my family's theology is from the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and that is one of the first churches to directly uh, monetarily fund conversion therapy. And that first program of conversion therapy um, they, a little bit of a trigger warning here, they uh, sexually assaulted the clients who went through that program to essentially uh, heal their gay population within the church. They did not test the theory prior when the leader of the program came to them and was like, I'm a former gay person, I healed myself uh, through Jesus, so here, give me uh, your gay population and I'll heal them too, and they just gave him money. There was no ethics committee or anything like that. So I, as an adult, am able to evaluate theology like that against scientific research and uh, come to the realization through uh, logical analysis that they are not safe people, especially because I myself am an LGBTQ plus person, having been raised in that system, put through their private Christian education system, and I've had the experience of having to mask, having to um, hide my authentic self for my own safety because I know 
that if I am in their direct environment, there will be spiritual interventions that will happen against my consent because their theology uh, gives them permission to essentially overstep my consent and my autonomy on my behalf because they believe that that is what is best for me in Christ's name, which makes them a safety liability. So there are many sex workers, such as myself, who have consciously decided to remain out of contact with family because we are aware that they're not safe people for us to be in contact with. And unfortunately, those of us sex workers who have established chosen family uh, are often kind of like overlooked and not acknowledged because our story, our experience, well, it's in conflict with their idea of what sex work is. They really just want to have this idea of sex work that we're all victims. However, many of us have gone to therapy. Many of us have studied. Uh, if we're in post-secondary education, there's a number of people like, let's say you stripped your way through uh, university in order to pay for that bill. Being a stripper does not negate the education that you receive. So there are many people who are sex workers who are incredibly trauma-informed, who are very intelligent, who are doing more than sex work um, on its own or they're relying all on sex work for their income. It is a wide variety, but we're not victims. We are not all tragic people who just need therapy and to like reconnect with our family. No, many of us have been to therapy, many of us are trauma-informed and have a post-secondary education, and many of us do have chosen family and secure attachments and relationships. Oftentimes you'll see in a sex worker's comments section things about how uh, they don't have a primary partner, how they don't have romantic relationships, how they themselves would never date a sex worker. This completely negates that quite often that sex worker does have a boyfriend, girlfriend, married partner, non-binary uh, person in their life and they have a secure attachment with them or they're polyamorous, they're open. Once again, going back to that concept of self-harm, things like uh, polyamorous relationships, open relationships are often considered to be a form of self-harm while at the same time they themselves who are uh, making those assumptions are not critically examining themselves for possible insecure anxious attachments to their partners. And you might be thinking, well, I follow your content and I comment things every once in a while and I don't see this in, in your comment section. I don't see people treating you this way. This is because my policy for my own content in my social media is that I do not allow that to be in my space. Anyone who comments something like that gets blocked and deleted as soon as I see it. Because keeping negative interaction for the sake of interaction is Facebook nonsense. Not all visibility and not all interaction is desirable interaction. And while I myself may be very visible online, there is a lot of anxiety around the potential of going viral per se, like let's say a TikTok or a YouTube short or something goes viral, that is not necessarily a good thing. Content going viral when you are within an at-risk population means that you are now at increased risk. If you are a young white male who's just made a funny TikTok that went viral, chances are it's not really something you have to think about. 
But if you are a sex worker, if you uh, display any kinds of like chronic illness, disability, infirmity, if you're indigenous or POC, um, if you're female, then chances are, like let's say you have content go viral, uh, it's seen by 3 million people, it has 1 million likes, you are going to have a large chunk of people there who are also being incredibly inappropriate with you and incredibly hurtful. And there is also an increased chance that that content is being shared on other platforms to Facebook groups or Reddit to people who are very just intentionally tearing it down. And that includes the fatherless behavior comments, which can be incredibly jarring to receive because the content that I make today versus when I first started, because uh, I was not a sex worker when I first started making TikToks, the content that I make today, I'm dressed very alternatively, uh, I talk about being a sex worker, and I'm very happy, very happy and healthy. So to receive comments like this is fatherless behavior is very jarring and incredibly invalidating because to a certain degree i mean it is fatherless behavior just the plot twist of that is well yeah it's fatherless behavior that is happier and healthier without that toxic male masculinity for those of us sex workers where it is fatherless we are happier and healthier for it because yet another bias is that um, a parental unit no longer being in your life equals trauma. Well, if that person was not a supportive or safe parent, well then cutting them out does not necessarily equal more trauma as much as it may equal finally being able to be your authentic self, finally being able to connect with actual supportive people versus staying in contact with them and them continuing to tank your life. And I see this from a lot of people, not just from the sex worker community, but also the kink community where uh, people will be like, well, what if this is stemming from trauma? And at the end of the day, like trauma is something that goes to your therapist, but you also need to have the confidence in your own brain and your brain's capacity to make decisions for you. No one else has access to your brain. No one has access to how hot or cold you are. No one has access to how hungry you are. No one has access to whatever emotions you are experiencing at any given point of time. So if you are uh, pursuing sex work yourself and you're worried that some of it's coming from trauma, possibly from just like parental trauma, insecure attachments, possibly trauma in regards to like hypersexuality, uh, from like sexual assault, please keep in mind that that is also something that would be need to be evaluated with a professional. That not all hypersexuality stems from trauma, just as kinks don't stem from trauma, hypersexuality does not inherently stem from trauma either. In certain cases, it may be correlated and in other cases it is not. Part of sustainable sex work, if this is something that you yourself want to pursue, is that just in the same way, if you are in a different type of industry, you still have to evaluate your life and your wellness and how it is impacting you. So like, let's say you work at an office, maybe you have to evaluate, well, uh, this is impacting my mental health in this way, or you make a, a lifestyle around that career, you're also gonna do that with sex work. And unless someone 
Is your doctor or your therapist or someone that you have very intentionally asked for their feedback, please keep in mind that if they have opinions about your decision to become a sex worker, if they are not one of those prior categories, then that is someone you don't necessarily have to listen to because that is also their biases regarding your well-being when they don't have access to your brain and body to help make those kind of determinations or evaluations for you. I think that's kind of like the emphasis for this episode is that if you are a sex worker or you know a sex worker, the sex worker's consent and autonomy comes first. That is kind of the non-negotiable part of it. People will talk about sex work being empowering. Sex work in and of itself is not empowering, just as any career is not inherently empowering. However, you can experience it as empowering yourself. The actual empowerment of any career or any job is that you as an adult are making evaluations and making decisions for your own well-being following through on that, building your skill sets in whatever industry that might be. And uh, well, it sounds like they've started some construction outside my building here. So if you hear some buzzing back there, that is what that is. And I'm gonna take that as my hint that we're coming to the close of today's episode. So another update on this podcast. Like I said last time, this is very much just like a fly by the seat of my pants, just putting resources out there as I have the time and energy to. We're just going to put a little bit of a thank you out there to people who have been supporting me on uh, like Patreon and over on Twitch, of course. Uh, we've got Mr. Freezy. Thank you so very much uh, for sending me some new wigs off of my wish list to make content with. We've got also from the wish list Cindy Luhu. Uh, special shout out, of course, to uh, some people over on Twitch. Uh, we've got uh, SM and Ludog, Failing Bunny, and also some others, uh, Bella Munka and The D Show, and a couple others, uh, Faustus as well. If y'all are listening in, thank you so very much. And of course, like we've got our regulars who always pop up and uh, come in to support my content and are just consistently there. Adergo, she hath no name. Ashen Riley as well. Of course, there's just, there's so many others. I see you, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for supporting my content. As always, this is all about your consent and autonomy coming first. And so in summary, as we talk about things like trauma and sex work, if consent and autonomy come first, then we also need to acknowledge that biases such as sex work being a form of self-harm or choosing sex work out of trauma and uh, parental attachments is a bias that detracts from sex workers' consent and autonomy. It infantilizes them and it invalidates them as adults who are making adult-informed conscious decisions for their own well-being and we need to start talking to sex workers as such. We need to start uh, treating sex workers as though they are adults because that's what they are. And we need to start interacting with them as people who have made and are making conscious informed decisions for their own well-being. Sex workers such as myself, we are not victims. We do not possess some kind of like childlike brain that is, or an animalistic brain that is just like making decisions out of a reaction. 
we are not displaying behaviors out of pain reactions either. We are adults making conscious informed decisions for our own well-being. And if you are going to talk about sex work, if you're going to critique the industry, please remember if you're not in the industry itself, you are not the expert in our experience as sex workers. It is sex workers' voices that should be the loudest in that conversation. They are the ones who should be the ones that legislation is based on. And of course, as always, as this is affirmation content, if you yourself are a sex worker who has trauma and um, like myself has some uh, parental attachment issues, your decisions are your own. You are your own person and the decisions you make for your own well-being are informed by your trauma, not just in reaction to. Trauma absolutely can and does influence behavior and decisions, but it is not the only deciding factor in what you have chosen for yourself. You are your own person. So go out there, make that bag, have some fun. And if you're listening in and you would like to support a sex worker and you're wondering how you can do that, sex worker survival depends on visibility. Make sure that we do not disappear on social media. Follow sex workers, boost their content, share their content, and if you consume their spicier content, interacting with them respectfully, being direct with them about the type of content that you would like while respecting their hard limits. Like let's say you're interested in ordering uh, a custom from a sex worker, uh, asking them what their limits are, which usually includes stuff like, um, okay, I don't do uh, this type of fantasy uh, like CNC, or I don't do like uh, piss kink content, stuff like that. Just basically uh, asking them what their hard limits are and then being direct about like hey yes I would like a 10 minute video with this type of toy uh, I want you to call me a good boy consensual and enthusiastic negotiation for content is a vibe and most importantly respecting that we ourselves do have a voice and we are the experts in our experience so remember if you're going to talk about the exploitation in the industry please do not do so in a way that literally shoots our stability in the face and that's all for today folks if you would like to see more content from me at least for the time being like I said you never know when you're gonna get banned on certain platforms if you have social media if you like more of the specific uh, kink sex worker content that is over on uh, TikTok Rosie Quartz official. If you would like more of like the direct uh, deconstruction of faith content and uh, more like sex worker activist content that is over on Rosie Quartz Shadow Realm, cosplay content over on Rosie Quartz. You can find me over on Instagram as well under Rosie Quartz and uh, of course Spicy stuff, OnlyFans, Rosie Quartz official. You can also find me on Fansly, Loyal Fans. I probably have the most fun over on Twitter. And you can uh, find me over on Discord for more of the community-based stuff. And of course, doing live streams over on Twitch, generally on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, and some community streams on the weekend. That is all for today. Thank you to uh, Victoria for supporting my Patreon this past month. This content is rather uh, chaotic in nature so there's generally one episode a month I have yet to determine what next month's topic is going to be about so stay tuned for that and of course your worth is not your productivity and attention is a basic human need 
and your basic human needs for affection and attention do not make you a burden. And we'll see you again on our next episode of DIY Sugar Baby. Bye, everybody.